Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is the Personal Finance Show. This is the special COVID-19 series, weekly series that I'm uh, doing. I was, I did 100 shows uh, as of 2019, and I took a little break. Um, have a baby, new baby. It's 14 months now. Got a full-time job as an insolvency counselor. Not a lot of time for podcasting, but uh, this pandemic kind of woke everything up for me. I realized I have a, a show and I have a, a ability to communicate with people. So let's do that. And this is the third weekly episode. So the, the first two were solo episodes for me. And I thought, I know people. So I'm going <laughs> to... Bring some people on if I can, hopefully with different perspectives from maybe from around the world. So this week we have a Michelle. Am I going to say your last name, Michelle? No. Michelle from uh, uh, Frugality to Freedom. Is that right? Uh, frugality and Freedom. Yes. Yeah, frugality semi- and Freedom. <laughs> Semi-anonymous blogging at this point. Yes. So fr- frugalityandfreedom.com. Not, not .com.au. No, no. So you can probably tell from my accent, I am Australian, but uh, we're going with frugalityandfreedom.com as my domain. Sounds good. And uh, were you living in New Zealand as well? I was, yeah. I kind of get around, I'd say. I've uh, traveled to about (laughs) 40 countries so far. So yes, I was temporary in uh, New Zealand until this pesky virus hit. Yeah. So, well, let's start there then. So what were you doing just before the world turned upside down? I like to use that. I'm a Hamilton fan, so I use that phrase. Yeah, I love it. So as I mentioned, I'm Australian, but I do like to travel quite a lot. And that does include actually uh, doing seasonal work in different places around the world. I call myself semi-retired these days. So I try and do about six months of work and then have the other six months to travel and I usually do that um, that work in the events and festivals industry. So I was actually in New Zealand uh, from about July last year working a job contract to deliver a festival uh, which was going to be in March and as you can tell that's not perfect timing uh, given that as you said the world has turned upside down. So wait, wait when would that when was that festival going to be or did it happen? Uh, we got about halfway through before we had to cancel. So every oh, you were right <laughs> in the middle of it. Right oh, in the middle. Wow. So okay. having yeah, so having worked in the events industry now for over a decade, I know that every event that we deliver has some quirk to it. But I have to say, trying to put on an event uh, in the middle of a pandemic was a new experience for me, like uh, many people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, until now, I, I thought. When Lady Gaga broke her leg, and I was, you know, I was working on that tour. Well, I, the the whole tour ended, and we had to have an insurance and everything cover everything, and that was like nothing. This is, uh, you know, this is uh, a lot uh, crazier, right? I can only imagine. I'm not in the events world anymore, but I mean, I keep hearing cancellation of tours all the way to September and things like that. So, so hot, like just I guess generally about your business. How has that affected your future business? Yeah, so I was personally quite lucky in that uh, my job role was due to finish in April anyway. So it's, you know, the best possible timing, really, all things considered. So I made the quick decision um, mid-March to actually leave New Zealand to return to um, my home state in 
in Australia, uh, in South Australia, in fact. With three days notice, I decided to leave as, as this virus really started to um, hit that corner of the world and they were starting to cancel flights and looking at border closures um, and things like that. Also, I was a full-time house sitter while I was working in New Zealand. So all of my accommodation okay. was house sitting where usually people have gone on a vacation somewhere and they need someone to look after their pets. So I was that person, that house sitter, but with people no longer traveling, it of course meant that I didn't actually have uh, a place to live either. So within a 48 hour period, just hearing all this news uh, coming thick and fast and also then having a, a series of house sits cancel on me that were coming up. Yeah, made that decision to return to Australia. I was fortunate enough that I could uh, finish my work role remotely. So I've been, um, I've been fortunate okay, in that. Some of the administration of the next few weeks uh, I can do from home back in Australia, in fact, with my parents back in my childhood bedroom. So a little bit humbling to have that experience yeah. now. We're, so we're going to talk about your your uh, finances in a, in a minute. Mm. But uh, so you had to make a lot of really kind of quick decisions. I Yeah, I did. I guess um, in that I'm relatively nimble as a, as a traveler. I tend to live out mm. of suitcases anyway, not just now when I... Um, I'm taking long uh, vacation periods, but also when I do work overseas, I tend to travel quite light. So um, I am lucky that I didn't have to pack up a whole house or shut down any leases or anything like that. So I could get out pretty quickly and that helped my decision. But also having uh, access to other networks like uh, a family network back home um, and other sources like that that meant um, I could have you know, plan B <laughs> given that this situation came to light. So what yep. day was that? Do you remember the, the timeline? Yeah, I do. So the event I was working on um, started about the 9th of March, a, a two-week festival. We got about mm -hmm. a week in before everything was looking like um, needing to cancel mass gatherings in uh, New Zealand. Um, they brought in restrictions, reducing them down to 500 people, and then a couple of days later down to 100 people, and then very soon after, just a total lockdown. So all of this uh, timeline was happening in, while we were trying to uh, run a festival. Um, and so I, as I was seeing these um, decisions and these cancellations being made um, so quickly, I had to make a very quick call on it. So it was about the 18th of March that I mm -hmm. decided to fly out of there about three days later, you know, contacting parents, making sure that was going to be okay for me to stay because a new uh, rule that had just been implemented as I made that decision was that I needed to self-isolate for 14 days on arrival to Australia. So all of the... Which was pretty much worldwide yeah. as yeah. far as I can tell. Yeah, it certainly was. I think Australia um, was one of the first ones to um, introduce that so promptly. Um, and so it meant that, yeah, when I arrived back on the Saturday, the 21st of March, uh, I was quickly shuffled into the back seat of the car and then shuffled into my childhood bedroom and there pretty much I stayed for the 14 days. So we weren't uh, taking any um, risks or anything like that. We were just pretending that, okay, it may have been exposed. Let's just yeah, assume you have the virus. Have the virus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm now clear of my 14 days self-isolation, no symptoms, which is fortunate. Um, admittedly, me being cooped up for two weeks, I think has now left me a little bit run down. So I do actually have a common cold, which you can probably hear in my voice a little. Um, There's some, some kind of irony uh, there, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, COVID, but um, yeah, it's definitely a, a good reminder to make sure that uh, while we're in this uh, period to maintain good health as best 
best as possible. So I know um, it's tough. Yeah. Like we, we're not going, oh, well, some of us are going outside, but maybe not as frequently. And, and of course you couldn't in the self-isolation. Yeah. Um, so I, I started noticing that, you know, you were in self-isolation on, on Twitter and you're <laughs> yeah. posting the, the meals that your, your mom made. Yeah. Yes, I feel <laughs> they were the most them. adorable things I've ever seen. Uh, it was so like the the first single strawberry from the garden on your plate. <laughs> yes, yes. I think my parents are very much enjoying me having me back here for a while. It's been a number of years since I've um, been back in yeah. my home city. So yes, mum was definitely uh, looking after me. And then she, uh, after I started posting pictures of the meals that she was serving up, including little handwritten notes, she felt uh, the pressure then, knowing that they were on social media, to <laughs> keep that maintained for the fourteen days. So I was. Yeah, great to my advantage that she was uh, serving up these meals, including some um, produce here and there that she pulled from our back garden. So it's been nice to have homegrown produce and uh, all of that. I think my, my favorite was, uh, I don't know if it was surprise, uh, sticky toffee pudding uh, for dessert. Uh, that, was, <laughs> yes. that was nice. Yeah, the sticky date pudding is a good Australian Yeah, yeah, date pudding in Australia, yes. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If you get into all the Australian differences, I spent I spent a little a couple of weeks uh, there and did some interviews uh, a couple I guess a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah. Whenever we we went, um, we had, my my wife was just pregnant with the with the baby when we went, and nobody nobody really knew, right? So we we're like um, taking photos, you know, surfing. Uh, it was a little cold, but because uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, July, I guess. Yeah, yeah, which is our winter. Uh, yeah, winter exactly. Yeah, so. Yeah, we're like you were living in New Zealand. Like, was that more so where you've been uh, in the last little bit, or have you just been all over? Is New Zealand just recent? Yeah, that was quite recent. So just from July uh, last year. Um, prior to that, I'd spent one year traveling around the U.S. Um, so I'd mm -hmm. taken a, a bit of a bit of a sabbatical, I guess. I had been working a little bit on uh, what's called a working holiday visa there. So I was able to work at a few different festivals, including like Sundance Film Festival and South by Southwest and a few of those uh, awesome. bigger yeah. name ones. That festival life is definitely in my blood uh, and combine that with travel and I'm a very happy person. So the fact I can't do either of them just now is uh, certainly making yeah. me feel a bit of that FOMO, but considering it is a worldwide thing, I'm not missing out. There isn't. It isn't actually. That's it. There's nothing to miss yeah, right, right yeah. now. So, like, we met at, at FinCon in in DC. Uh, mm -hmm. So that would have been end of September, or was it beginning yeah. of September? It was definitely September, and I I had been in New Zealand for a few months, but I just didn't want to miss that event. I'd made some really good friends um, when I attended the year prior to that while I was actually in the states. So I did make my way all the way from New Zealand uh, to DC. For that event and i'm very glad i did because yeah meeting wonderful people there and um, maintaining those connections now on social media is making this uh isolation a little bit easier too yeah well that's i mean that's how we can do this uh, and we I guess we didn't meet in orlando the year before uh i guess not but uh, you were there you were there yeah right? you know the three thousand people or so that they get that's uh, a, a lot yeah, of people and there's other. a big australian contingent right i mean it's yeah. it's really great like i'm always surprised because i know how much the flight costs that uh, <laughs> yeah. so many people come and we'll, again we'll talk about that in a sec because i want to talk about the finances surrounding mm -hmm. all this so what are the general rules in australia now so i guess it kind of got 
tighter and tighter as we went through, right? Like you said, 100 uh, uh, event, I guess New Zealand, Australia might have similar policies. Uh, you know, generally, I, I'm, I'm thinking that they do. Uh, yeah. From what I can understand from from being there, I, I mean, there's a uh, there's a separate prime minister, of course. I mm-hmm. in the Australian, uh, the New Zealand prime minister seems awesome. Yes, yeah. I don't, I don't actually. I I've seen her on social media, but not so much Australian prime minister. I don't know why. Maybe this is a, a person a little boring or. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to uh, commentate too much on, on politics, but um, having very smart. Yeah, having experienced the New Zealand response uh, initially, I know that um, their government is, was really ahead of the curve in um, wanting to make sure that they, uh, I think the expression that they used was um, go hard and go early in terms of the response yeah. <laughs> to this. Um, and so they actually, uh, only days after I left, um, the whole country went into lockdown for four weeks. So they're in the middle of that at the moment. Okay. So Are they uh, one of the most extreme then in, yeah. that, in that respect? Yeah, yeah um, which is uh, fortunate. When I left on that 21st of March, there were 28 recorded cases of COVID um, in a country of about 5 million people. So still quite low. Mm. Um, but even with those measures, um, now we're, I think, about three weeks later, they have about 1,300 cases okay. in the country. So it's still, it's definitely increased, um, but no no deaths at this point. And I think some of the measures that they've put in place with lockdown are yeah, helping. Yeah, wow. So, um, so that's a really good early example. I mean, cool. you know, we have, obviously, we have Italy is one of the contrasting ones. And, uh, the, well, the U.S. now, where they didn't take action right away. Or, the, or lockdown, right? Everyone took action, but of course, everyone's yeah. going to take different. And we're, we're in Canada, we're a bit of a similar example in that, you know, we crack down early, but it doesn't mean we, you know, we're going to avoid the worst of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really hard to know, right? And, yeah. and the thing about the uh, social isolation, all these me- uh, methods or, or measures is that if they work, we're going to feel like uh, we, you know, sort of did too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really yeah. one. It's one of those. It's a catch twenty two, right? It's like if you don't do enough, everybody dies. If you do too much, it's like, well, why? Why do we do this? Nobody died. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. how do we deal with that? Right? So, yeah. I guess we have to understand the measures. So, what, what's what's Australia doing? That like sort of a mild uh, in between version of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an in-between version. So it does change every day, and I, admittedly, I'm trying to reduce my my news intake. Uh, yeah, I know, me too. Oh. Cheery, but um, I know sure. I did, did just look at the statistics. So um, Australia has, uh, as of today, six thousand three hundred cases, um, and a mm. death death toll of about sixty uh, people so far, which is unfortunate. But um, in a population of about, uh, I think we have about twenty seven million. Um, that's you know still still manageable, um, and the state in which I live, uh, which is South Australia, we've got 430 cases. Um, but apparently today uh, was actually the first day that there have been no new recorded cases um, since about uh, early March. So that sounds like progress, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, we're not fully in lockdown. You can still go out, but um, they suggest no uh, gatherings of more than two people. So it's, uh, you know. Two, okay. We have <laughs> two, five. Yeah. Five is our is our restriction. I was just looking up the Canadian numbers as of yesterday, and uh, uh, since you mentioned that. So yeah, we have, our population is not that dissimilar. You know, I think we're up in the 30s in the millions, but we're a very similarly sized country, and we have 22,000 cases and 600 deaths. Mm. So, you know, 400,000 tested. 
a lot of people are talking about, oh, it's, you know, especially the U.S., of course. Uh, oh, we test, you know, we're the best at testing, right? And uh, that's why we have so many cases. Well, I mean, that doesn't change a lot. It's still a lot of people are dying. Yeah, and of course, they have 10 times the population uh, that, that we do, right? Yeah, an advantage with Australia and New Zealand as well is that they are islands. Admittedly, Australia is a very big island. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, now that they're um, basically grounded flights uh, to come here, that stream of people coming in that may be infected is definitely uh, mostly eliminated. So hopefully we don't have too much more community transmission from people that are here already. All flights well, coming in. Uh, they, for a time, they actually were talking about fully grounding flights, but they do um, have just a couple of services a week now to try and get uh, expat Australians back home. Yeah, Maybe. that's right. Bring yeah. everybody home. I think that's what we're doing too. But and we close the U.S. border um, mm. as well, except for I mean essential stuff going back and forth. I suppose it might be similar too. Any any actual products or. Yeah. Goods, goods and services that are needed, you know, in terms of import export, that must be continuing as well. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, any kind of essentials like that, but uh, I'm sure there's extra, extra care, yeah, extra, yeah. extra care around those things. Yeah. Um, and I know that uh, the borders have actually closed between some of our states within Australia as well. Okay, so, so they've done that. We were we're talking about that actually. You're in South Australia. Yes. Yeah. So that's. Uh, on a, on a map, it's uh, central south. Um, so we central, have about one, one and a half million uh, people in our state. Essential workers can still um, travel through, but uh, uh, I know that any residents, um, when they were looking at uh, closing the borders, any residents coming back into South Australia were also required to self-isolate for 14 days. So it seems like there's okay. a lot of focus on that uh, self-isolation and um, you know police checking in uh, if people... Um, making sure that they are following those uh, self-isolation uh, rules because there are arrival cards that people fill in uh, indicating the address that they're going to stay at. I, I okay, didn't so get, they're uh, actually following up. You didn't, you didn't yeah, get checked, though. I didn't get checked, but I was okay. doing uh, daily updates on uh, Facebook to say how my, uh, basically how my meals were going from my mum. Uh, and yeah, so I don't yeah. know if anyone was able to track me through that, they would have seen quite clearly that I was getting well fed, but I was definitely staying at home. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that well, that's that's good. I mean, there's this uh, thought of you know the policing of all of this. Some people are against it, and some people are for it. This is working in China, for example. They're all being very tracked, but something that would never work in the U.S. Uh, I, I I do worry. I worry about the Americans. I think we all have a personal responsibility to take in making sure that we don't spread it and follow the uh, guidelines as best as possible and just just stay home that's been the, the message that we've been getting uh new zealand and australia as well so at least we're trying to do our bit i don't leave very often now but uh i am making certainly making better routines than i did have in that 14 day self-isolation in terms of uh, exercise and things like yeah, that. yeah well can you take a walk? Is it still fine to do that in Australia, to go outside by yourself? or? Yeah, that's yeah. still fine. Again, making sure that we distance ourselves. So I have uh, took a walk today and was crossing the street a number of times just to avoid walking past people. Yeah. Doing things like but, that. And, yeah. So you're, are you in a big city? Uh, I'm in the suburbs of a, a big city. So there's still um, I could still walk around without uh, the bustle of people uh, around me so that's that's not a problem but yeah i'm in the in the capital city there what are the uh, larger cities in south australia just to give people some perspective 
Um, so I'm in uh, Adelaide, so we've got about one million people here in uh, the city and its suburban areas as well. That's okay. kind of the main, <laughs> the main big city in our state. Australia tends to have mostly just big cities as the capitals of each of the eight states and territories. Spacious enough that um, I'm not clashing with other people and feel comfortable enough to be okay. able to walk outside, so that's good. In New Zealand, with their lockdown, it's a, a no-go. You can't really go outside other than to do um, the very essential grocery shopping, things like that. And just to give people an idea of how far that is from the rest of Australia, how long would it take you to get to, say, Melbourne and then Sydney? To fly, <laughs> not that there's very yeah. many flights. Uh, from Adelaide to Melbourne is one hour to fly and about uh, two hours from Adelaide to Sydney. Um, if you wanted to drive it, it's usually about seven to eight hours to Melbourne. Uh, Adelaide City is probably about 14 hours then to drive. Yeah. So, yeah, the big big distances. Um, Most people just will take the hour or two flight, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Usually how people get between the cities. Like, they're, they're, they seem like they're so next to each other on, on the map, <laughs> right, if you look at Australia. But there's a lot of distance there. And, of course, yeah. like, if you ever, anybody ever wants to go to Perth, there's no, you're just going to fly there, right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's about <laughs> four or four hours to fly from Adelaide to Perth, and that's kind of the next city uh, heading west. That, really, yeah, that so, is the big, biggest city, right? And then it's yeah. that's it's pretty much coast uh, on the west coast, right? Yeah. yeah, So it's like Perth on the west coast, Sydney on the east coast, mm. Melbourne, Adelaide in the middle, and and then the capitals in there somewhere too, right? Yeah, you've got your geography <laughs> right. Um, I've definitely I've seen a picture of uh, when they overlay a map of Australia on top of the US and it's actually yeah. very similar in um, landmass size so people don't necessarily think about that when they look at Australia just at the bottom of a globe the, yeah. the land map is definitely equivalent if not the population so yeah there's just a lot of space in the middle I mean not uh -huh. that the US doesn't have uh, desert and, and other things too but it seems there's just a, still lots and lots of wildlife space Mm -hmm. in australia right yeah. lots of desert yeah. in the middle lots of desert in the middle exactly <laughs> yeah okay so australia seems to be similar to where we're at maybe a, a little more restricted in terms of the uh, gatherings and mm -hmm. uh, do you know like do they have a date of when uh are, there, are you are you in a state of emergency like we are is it official state of emergency or i don't know that the terminology has been used here um, and I know okay. they haven't really given us any indication of an end date um, to anything yeah. so for now I'm working on the basis of you know looking at this kind of these kind of measures for three to four months at least it looks like things with the some of the statistics that uh, things are starting to work but there's a long way to go and so I'm not holding my breath for you know anything like end of April or <laughs> anything yeah, like that. No. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of, yeah, we're just kind of getting ready for, well, day by day, but also just planning for the worst in that, like, okay, just assuming I'm going to be working from home for a while, just so that I don't expect to be going back mm -hmm. to the office at any time. Yeah. And I guess I personally am quite fortunate in that uh, I had planned to fortunate in a way. I had planned to uh, travel for about six months from uh, late April um, through to around September. So obviously, okay. fortunately, that uh, is off the cards now, but uh, I hadn't anticipated working too much in that six-month period. So you mentioned um, an interest in the personal finance. Uh, yeah, so that's what, let's go there. Yeah, so yeah. There, well, first of all, you this is what you do, right? You'll, you vote for the past 10 years, you're working events, and then you're making that money and 
what saving a bunch and then spending some of it or spending all of it in in the the, the rest of the year what's what's your policy yeah uh so when i got into events um which actually yeah just over a decade ago i got interested in personal finance just as a way of making sure that I could cover myself if there were yeah. necessary periods of unemployment by doing mm. contract work. I've, I've, sometimes there's some uh, gaps in there. So that's uh, I've always been a good saver just to mitigate that uh, those downtimes. But in the last three years, uh, as my savings have grown over time and I've gotten more interested in this concept of uh, financial independence, so having enough um, saved so that uh, your income that can come from investments and so on can actually pay for some of your living expenses or ideally all of them. I'm not quite there yet. So I have a, a stash that's um, kind of working away and hopefully growing not so much at the moment as you've seen with the, the stock market. Yeah, dip, but, it'll, um, it'll bounce. That's the thing, right? It'll, it'll come, come back. back. But in the meantime, so for the last uh, three years, I would consider myself semi-retired. So uh, working about six months, um, that covers my living expenses for the other six months and then a little bit more um, to have saved. And so I can budget travel for the rest of the year. And I, I do live uh, pretty lean. I'm very comfortable with that. The, the blog mm. is not called Frugality and Freedom uh, for no reason. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I did have my six months of uh, travel expenses saved up as well as uh, other emergency funds. So I'm going to be okay for a while, which is fortunate because uh, obviously my events industry has definitely gone quiet for quite some time now uh, in the future. So I know that other friends that I have in this industry potentially not going to do quite so well in this period. And so trying to help where I can with um, advice and um, giving them information about the government's welfare um, services and things that are being provided, those stimulus packages and so on that are being offered here in Australia. But uh, I am in that um, good position that you know, I can last for a little while uh, without that work. And it does well, also mean... I mean yeah. Sorry, Ed, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, but you're, the, the main thing is you don't have uh, typical rent. You don't even have typical costs that any, like a lot of people in this position even though those who might have been working events and, and maybe saving money maybe they have a, 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 a home base and you don't have to worry about that yeah yeah um it's true is that true I, yeah it is true in a sense yeah so i having a mortgage or anything like that has never really been of interest to me so i have in the past not I've the typical australian or, right i don't well, i don't yeah. think i've ever heard an australian say that uh, you haven't spoken to enough of us. Uh, uh, okay, uh, okay. I'm, I'm talking to the ones who are house crazy. How about uh, that? Yes, yeah. It's definitely, uh, they talk about the Australian dream, similar to the American dream. And I'm, yeah, but, you're, dream. but we, you're right. We don't all have that. We don't yeah. all have house, home ownership. And so you, you for a while, you haven't been thinking, I need a house of my own? No, no, I haven't. Um, quite happily will uh, rent and have rented in the past. I much prefer not having that kind of obligation over my head uh, to have to cover it and so on. Um, and because I'm still so interested in traveling, to not have to have concern about trying to find tenants for a place or how to cover that uh, those mortgage payments while I might be gallivanting in, uh, across Europe, for yeah. example. I, I quite like that idea. But on the flip side, course I don't necessarily have my own perfect home base to return to I am at my parents house where I am paying a, a small amount of room and board to be here okay, so okay. Covering, covering their costs of course but uh, 
yeah, I am fortunate in that, um, yeah, not too many uh, obligations for outgoings that I have. So mostly food and alcohol at the moment uh, are kind of my key places uh, <laughs> to, to enjoy the, the wine in isolation. Um, yeah, yeah, we all need something, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, quit, I quit drinking 10 years ago, but, uh, you know, I, I get it. I, I like caffeine. I like root beer. Mm-hmm. Root beer yep. is my thing. Yeah. So I, I need that. I, I, I feel like I'm running out. You know, and yeah. <laughs> we're, try, we're trying not to go to the grocery store. Uh, lately, it's uh, every every two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I need to mention well, uh, to mention uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Woolworths, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's something that existed in North America a long time ago, and I don't think people realize that it's still like one of a major grocery store in in Australia. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We've mostly got uh, just the two uh, Woolworths and Coles uh, supermarkets that have a bit of yeah. a, a duopoly on, on the place here. So, yes, uh, I'll be popping into a Woolies, as they call it here. Um, <laughs> I've got and everything. So I'll be popping in there um, in the next few weeks. Trying to just do that every two weeks? Is that the idea? Or one, once? Yeah, or? I, I actually haven't gone the three weeks that I've been back in Australia. So just one member of our family. Well, yeah, because you've been in isolation. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think I'll be about due to go out there. Although I feel like I've got a little touch of agoraphobia after being isolated in my room for a couple of weeks. Breathing uh, sure. the outside world seems a little bit uh, foreign to me right now, but uh, that's all right. I'll <laughs> go hand sanitizer well, yeah. and uh, <laughs> go hard. It's probably one or the other, right? People have agoraphobia, you know, which is a fear of going outside, right? Mm, yes yeah and so uh, people might have that now which i have a little bit of that to be mm-hmm. honest i went to get takeout food are you are is, is that a thing that you're doing in australia trying to support local restaurants as well are they are they open are they closed uh, a lot of them are closed but some of them have transitioned to doing uh, takeaway service as well yeah. so yeah still trying to support um those local businesses as best as we can with uh doing takeaway at least once a week uh, here in the household, but trying to measure that uh, again against uh, trying to save money as well. So um, that tricky balance that we're trying to maintain here. So there's a couple of interesting things. First of all, was it like immediate that you knew that you would be paying uh, room and board to your parents? Was that something that was pre-negotiated or you just had that in your head or? Uh, no, that was, uh, I already knew that was going to be the case. Yes, it's a long standing uh, arrangement of uh, after the age of 18, that's uh, an expectation that's to pay board, which, uh, you know, perhaps that's my accountant father uh, wanting to. No, um, it, it's good. That, it's uh, it's good lessons. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, well, the thing about that is a lot of parents will just be like, yes, come home, whatever, you don't have to pay anything. And that doesn't teach anybody anything. Uh, um, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're trying to be kind by being, you know, too kind. Yeah. There's a way to be kind and also teach and also teach responsibility. And it, it's, uh, I could see that it obviously worked for you. I mean, you, you're, uh, well, how old are you? Do you mind sharing? Uh, 36 now. So, 36 yeah. yeah so you're before you're younger than me and you're already a semi-fi as you said right and you made this decision what were you doing before a decade ago were you in the same position doing other things or did you just make a decision i'm going to start heading towards financial independence or was it just i want to work events what, what was the 
what was the origin of all of this? Yeah. So, oh goodness. Yeah. Going back to origin story. <laughs> um, yeah. It took me a little while uh, after finishing high school um, and then uh, going to university to work out what I really wanted to do. I actually didn't finish my university qualification, which was going to be in accounting uh, many years ago, okay. straight, straight yeah. out of high school, just realizing that as much as I could do the study, I really didn't actually want to work in that field in, in hindsight. But it's, you know, when you get pushed into university as, a, as the natural path, as the default yep. path, you just kind of pick something and run with it. But uh, yeah, so after... I know the feeling. Yeah. yeah, I talk about that a lot. We just feel like we have to do this thing and that's not the case, right? And of course, there's money too involved in that. Uh, maybe yours was paid for. I forget how Australia works. It's not paid for, but no. how did um, it work for you? Yeah, so we have government loan program, which is uh, I actually still have a student loan uh, to my name. You still do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, see. <laughs> um, wow. It's not not as big a concern as uh, other places, such as what I hear about in the US. So we oh, only yeah. pay it back um, through our taxes gradually, um, and only if you earn over a certain amount as well. And so there's no actual interest on the loans as well. Oh, Amer Americans are screaming at you right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, through taxes and no interest. This is yeah, <laughs> it does. Uh, it increases uh, slightly by the rate of inflation, so it does maintain its uh, value over time. But uh, part of it does actually come from uh, just a few years ago. I did do a master's degree in event management, so some of it's okay. from that. But uh, when I started that, um, I did have that original uh, student loan just hanging over. So I'm skipping all over the place That's here. Okay. So you did the, the, the master's in event management. Was it during one of your breaks, like from doing events or? Uh, it was done um, partly while I was working and then partly actually on a six month trip through Europe, I was doing some of my studies remotely. So I remember doing, actually I ended up having to do accounting again um, as part of it because that's <laughs> accounting the kind of can't escape it. Um, find you can't. It no, it's in, it's in everything. Yeah. Yeah. So very much involved in event management too. So I was doing uh, that uh, major assignment in a wine bar in Italy somewhere. And there was another assignment I was doing while I was on a bus trip uh, traveling through France. So yeah, that's a whole nother thing. Jump, again, oh, jumping they, they, around this is great. the timeline. But, uh, yeah, well, of course, when I, when I, when I reboot the show uh, in terms of the format that it usually is, we can get into super detail on your story. Sure. Um, I just wanted to get a rough thing. So you you went to you did go to university, but you didn't finish. Yeah. And then you decided what what where where did you work or how are you going to make money after that? Yeah. Uh, so I did um, a number of years of uh, some random administration jobs, some customer yeah. support jobs, uh, things like that that didn't necessarily make my soul sing or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's I needed. To, to work and kind of experiment with different things to see what I wanted to do. Um, and eventually uh, I got into event management uh, industry just based off some work experience I'd done in customer service and so on. And also then some volunteer work that I'd done because where I live, there are actually quite a lot of festivals and events that are around. So it's always been in the atmosphere in, the, uh, in my hometown. So after volunteering, I got a short-term job and then that led into another one. And then, yeah, we're about 11 years on uh, from those those first uh, roles that I did and we continued to do events in, in contract roles up, right up until now. So 
it was just realizing about that 11 years ago that yes, I really do want to do this as a career. Now I've found the thing that I want to get uh, really deep into. And so trying to work out the finances of that because it's not always the most uh, well paid of, of industries. <laughs> it's a really good analogy to the situation that we're in now because th- like you like you said at the beginning you are going to be taking time off now anyway mm. you know it just happens to coincide and it, well, i mean it really did interrupt your but you got did you get fully paid then for your your last gig i i did yeah i had just a month, take, just a month or? left yeah so i was had a month left of my contract and again the new zealand government is uh, pretty good in that they were giving organizations uh payments to continue to pay workers so i was able to uh, have that. Unfortunately, as an Australian, I don't need a work visa or anything to work in New Zealand. We have good relationships yeah. there. So, that is good. Um, yeah. so, so there's a wage subsidy in New Zealand. We have that here now. I'm not sure it's implemented yet. Like you said, everything changes on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, they implemented a 75% wage subsidy. Certain organizations qualify. It was New Zealand sort of across the board or whoever applied or that kind of thing? You know? uh, I don't know the finer details because I was working for a uh, not-for-profit organization. Um, okay. I know that they were at least covered. So, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that, um, that flow down so, effect then. So I was paid out of my role. Yeah, the important thing I want to get through is that, uh, you know, you're basically constantly preparing for breaks, mm. right? Well, whether right, I mean, it, I don't know. What do you think? In hindsight, this is how you chose to live your life. It wasn't uh, uh, expecting a pandemic <laughs> to happen, but is this like, what do you? How do you feel about the way other people sort of plan their life and finances? Like, I mean, you know, you write about this a lot, right? In terms of, well, I mean, how how yeah, frugality to freedom, right? Uh, and freedom. I keep saying two freedom. <laughs> That's okay. Frugality. <laughs> And freedom, because there are both concepts that are good. How can people do what you do? Is it easy? Is it hard? Well, I guess I've just, maybe I'm perhaps really risk averse in that I always like to know my plan B, my plan C, plan D, and so on. And a lot of that is having those emergency funds set aside so that when things go to hell like they are right now in terms yeah, of the pandemic. Yeah. Again, I could never have anticipated that, but there's always something, some kind of potential quirk on the horizon that's unexpected. So having at least a good financial basis can make writing through those things a lot uh, easier and keeping that in, in cash as well, as much as I have a lot of my um, portfolios in stocks and so on, but there's been a, a drop there. So I don't want to touch that uh, right now, but having that cash cushion that I've built up over time being a bit more frugal about things and not having that mortgage or rent or not spending too much on travel when I do actually go places. It means that I can have that that buffer that just makes me feel a little more comfortable in some of, some of the decisions uh, that I make. So it has helped me in the last few years to choose to only work about six months of the year because, I again, having that uh, cushion just gives that freedom element uh, to it. And again talking about those those dual concepts that frugality about being really deliberate in the things that you want to prioritize and then ignoring the rest basically getting specific on what you prioritize it just helped me build up all of those extra resources um that i need to to do this kind of thing and then i also just want to touch on that it's not always just about the money as well there's uh, a number of different forms of wealth if you start to look into it i've got a blog that i quite enjoy reading called uh, richandresilientliving.com and a woman laura there writes about the eight forms of capital and while we usually think about uh, financial capital uh, so actual money as being the key 
form of wealth. There's actually all these other things that can make you feel wealthy or abundant. So things like social capital, which is what I'm taking advantage of at the moment, um, having the support networks of, um, you know, my social networks, uh, in being able to stay with family, having friend networks, which I've often been able to hear word of mouth on different jobs um, that might be coming up. That's a, a form of wealth. And other things like uh, intellectual capital as well. So a skill set, um, which means that at the moment, I'm trying to get uh, more remote work opportunities and more virtual assistant work. And some of that will come from the wealth that I have in my intellectual capital. So the skills that I've built up over time in these different roles and some of the courses that I've gone through. So yeah, there's, when you start to look at it more broadly, not just the money side, you can see there's all these other pockets of wealth um, and things like uh, material wealth in terms of the actual material physical items that you have. So a roof over your head, you know, having a laptop, which potentially can open up to do online work, other kinds yeah. of tools like that, having an awareness of all those other forms of wealth at your disposal can, can really help. Well, hopefully people can see uh, the, the longer that we talk. It's not, it's not like you're just getting up, I'm going to go do a, travel around the world and then figure stuff out. You have, you have a pretty good grasp of everything and a pretty good plan, right? I don't know. Do you get this perspective? Do people think that, uh, you know, say digital nomads or people who travel a lot, that they're like less responsible? Uh, do you, is that a perception that people have? Do you know? Yeah, I think so, which is such a shame. I think it also is pointed at people that do pursue this uh, FIRE movement, the financial independence and the retire early side that people think yeah. they're being irresponsible a lot of time. But I think these um, sets of people, digital nomads and the FIRE community and um, others like that, they've, they've sort, thought things through um, quite a lot in many, many instances and do have those um, backup plans or, or are at least uh, nimble enough that they can respond to things as they arise, uh, perhaps a little bit more than other people that might be burdened with um, other obligations and responsibilities. So yeah, I don't think they're going to be doing too badly themselves, well, even though their plans may bad, have changed. Right? Yeah, I do, yeah, I do have friends in that digital nomad space and they have had to either return to their home country or settle down in places um, where they can't necessarily be traveling all of the time. But um, I know there's a couple from nomadnumbers.com who I don't know actually where their main place of uh, residence is, but they are spending the, this lockdown period in uh, Taiwan, which is having um, is doing really good things in terms of their response to COVID. And so they're just you know, taking advantage of the fact that a lot of Airbnbs now, because there's not that um, many travellers, are actually coming down in costs. So holding up somewhere where it's actually um, relatively well supported for them to do so, they can taking that opportunity to kind of rest and recuperate and um, plan their next moves for after all this uh, pandemic time. So yeah, there's different ways in which these communities are responding to this, but I don't think they're being fully uh, irresponsible yeah absolutely like they're gonna be okay it's not maybe some are not going to be able to retire at the year they picked for example maybe this is a bit of a, a blip but they're so much more prepared for right now more than anyone who thinks that you know living paycheck to paycheck or being highly leveraged is the is the way to go you know in in canada right now turns out and i wasn't even fully aware of this do you have home equity line of credits or are they called second mortgages in in australia Mm -hmm. uh, they're pretty much that, right? Mm -hmm. And people have been using that for down payments for rental properties. Is that something that happens in Australia too? I think when you 
can get away with doing, yeah, quite uh, low deposits again. Uh, it had tightened okay. up after the um, GFC a lot, but uh, I think things have eased off in the last few years. So people were, um, yeah, re refinancing houses so that they could um, buy other properties. But uh, yeah, property, generally speaking, in Australia is uh, really quite expensive. So we don't see quite as much of that, I don't think. Is there any uh, sort of fallout that's happening right now uh, financially? Like, uh, are you, I know you're staying away from the news a little bit, as, as am I. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, we're also ma we're making the news right now. So, uh, like, what have you heard generally in terms of, do you know the unemployment uh, level? How many people have applied for uh, uh, relief uh, for employment insurance or anything like that? Um, I don't know the exact figures, but I know um, the Australian government has um, done a few different schemes, including the a job keeper program where, like you were describing earlier, um, and I mentioned for New Zealand, like a wage subsidy uh, scheme for uh, businesses yeah, for that. to keep on yeah. employees. And then also, I don't know the exact um, phrasing that they're using, but also making it easier for uh, job seekers as well to get welfare payments um, with much reduced paperwork and so on at this time, as well as... So some, quicker. Uh, yeah, quicker, quicker turnover and um, some supplements to help at this COVID, COVID time yeah. as well. Yeah, have you, but, uh, just about that, have you ever uh, yourself applied for welfare or been on it in the past? In, in uh, I guess we call it employment insurance and in the States it's unemployment insurance. I, I have about five years ago just for a few months, but uh, part of it was at the time to try and seek support in setting up my own uh, business as well. There was a business yeah. um, education program that was tied to being a job seeker. So it was a relatively, I guess, strategic <laughs> move on my part to sure. go through that um, that program. So I've had, uh, yeah, a little bit of experience. And yeah, I can tell you there's a lot of hoops that uh, one needs to jump through. So it is fortunate now that they're realizing so many people are newly unemployed that might not have engaged with the system at all in this uh, kind of pandemic. Yeah. Moment. So yeah, making it a little That's bit easier for the people who need it uh, to access those uh, funds is, is definitely a good move. Yeah, because our our numbers were you know heading towards two million people applying uh, for uh, unemployment for employment insurance mm -hmm. here, and uh, the typical uh, volume is thirty thousand a week, mm. and uh, they were able to do maybe one hundred and fifty thousand the first week, which was uh, only a ten percent wow. of what what was out there. So mm -hmm. they introduced uh, uh, what was called a Canada Emergency Response Benefit, mm -hmm. which is $2,000 a month for four months. You have to apply every month, apparently, every four weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's not, not taxed the source right now. Uh, so you'll get 2000 but it'll be on your income taxes for the next year, right? Mm -hmm. So you have 2000 to spend. Whatever that's going to do for you is dependent on, you know, I mean, maybe it'll replace, maybe it'll be better than, than uh, the employment insurance. So you have some kind of relief program like that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah we do. Um, I think uh, it's in Australian dollars, I want to say about $1,500 a fortnight, so every two weeks. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I haven't looked personally into the details of that. Um, just given my situation, I, I feel comfortable not to access that. Uh, That's so right, yeah, you shouldn't now. have to, yeah position uh, to be in. But I know that um, having a look and following the little bit of news that I am uh, seeing other countries uh, trialing this, these kinds of measures, it's fascinating to see that um, more talk of this thing called universal basic income as well. I like this, it's, yes. Yeah, this concept of um, citizens of uh, countries getting a usually a low uh, level of, of base payment um, just for being a 
a citizen of that country. And I think um, Spain is uh, looking at doing something like that. And it does sound like um, with Canada doing that uh, $2,000 a month is the start of it. So really fascinating to, to look at the potential for that as we start to really need to change up the way in which um, society works potentially for well, at least the next few months. There was a, pre- a presidential candidate in the U.S. who was running based on uh, Andrew Yang, I think. His whole concept, I think he was going for a thousand a month. I think that's that. And I don't know if that would fly in Australia. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, I wanted to, I'll, I'll let you go in a sec. Uh, it turns out uh, when I have another person on the show, I, I, I default to an hour. That just seems to be what happened. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of fun but, things to talk about. So. Yeah, that's the thing, right? We got this pandemic, but there's also, you know, I really do the whole reason I did a podcast in the first place because I love origin stories. I want, I, you know, I wanted to know a little bit anyway of how you got to where you are, right? People, it doesn't just happen that you happen to be in your mid-30s and be able to uh, do whatever you want. You know, this is what I want for everybody. This is what I would like everybody to have the freedom they can then they can just stay in a nine to five job if they like but i'd like them to have the freedom to do what you do Hmm. um i feel like they even they could right uh everybody should no matter right and and the way to do that is the planning you you know that you did uh you have to have some kind of goal if you're just trying to make the bills I mean, do you have an opinion on on people who don't do what you do? Like, uh, is, I'm not saying that you're you're, you're going to judge them or anything, but I mean, you made this choice for yourself. Mm. Um, how do you feel about the the rest of the the majority of the world who are working nine to fives and that kind of thing? Like, what does that uh, feel like look like to you from the outside now? Yeah. Uh, so I guess I would just like to think that people are being intentional in whatever they do. It's great if they love the nine to five life and they enjoy um, a bigger house and all of those uh, things, that's great. But as long as they're not just doing that as the the default path, as long as they actually do deliberately get enjoyment out of those things, or if they don't, like perhaps they should really look at why they're, why they're doing what they're doing. I, I think um, having uh, a goal is really useful. And I know that um, some time ago I worked out that I can roughly travel on about 20,000 US dollars per year. And when you start to break that down, that's about $55 a day. And once I worked that out, having done a number of uh, trips that kind of worked out to be that, each time that I save $55 or earn that on my own terms, that's a day of life that I've kind of bought back for myself, a day of freedom that I can travel. And so knowing that um putting like quantifying that just makes it uh, a lot easier for me to decide on certain things so when i'm you know contemplating do i have um, another meal out at this restaurant or do i have those extra few beers if i just know what my alternative is what the opportunity cost of of those decisions are um, and if that's a day of freedom that um, i would prefer to have instead or a day on the road and traveling uh, through Europe or the US, I yeah, can make that decision with some intentionality knowing that. So yeah, I just would like um, for people to just really think about why they are doing what they're doing and just consider if that's the default or if they've chosen that. And if they've chosen that, wonderful. If not, maybe there's some questions that uh, they might like to look at. That's fantastic. Uh, that That's a really great perspective, right? Because yeah, we don't just want people to be on autopilot and do what they think that they need to be doing and not think that there's any other way. 
Uh, this is, you know, this is a, it's a strange time that we're in right now. It's a good time to reflect and, and look into those things, right? If you, you know, you might be just focusing on survival right now and, and not, that makes sense, right? We should be focusing on survival and not, and not, I'm really trying not to shame anyone for not having, you know, the savings and anything. It's really something that we all in the personal finance community, we are at risk of doing because we talk about this all the time and we might accidentally say, you should have done this or you should have done that. Well, we're trying not to do that. We're, we're aware that that's not productive right now, but for the future, this is the time to decide if you do then have a regular income again, what are you going to do with that? Do you want to end up in this same situation again, I guess? I always want people to have perspective, right? I went through a, a, an addiction and, and that kind of gave me perspective. And I, you know, I, I basically went bankrupt uh, and came back from that. I don't wish that on anyone. Uh, pandemic is kind of a forced situation like that, right? It's a forced perspective. I think it's, it's important to learn from this. So uh, that's a great place to end this. Thank, thanks so much, Michelle, for, uh, for joining me. That's all right. Thank Good you chat. very much. Good for chat. Yeah, yeah, from and, other ends of the world. And this, the the like, we're on, we have video. It's not recording, but so we can just we can see each other, and it's better than the local local chats I've had with people in the city uh, over for me. So I don't understand. It may it could be the time. So I'm just hitting six thirty, almost six forty a.m. here. If is if I sound a little congested, it's because I, I I woke up early. Um, you know, I'd like to get up this early as well. Because it's before my my baby uh, wakes up and he's still he's still sleeping. Aww. Can you see, can you see yeah. him at all? I don't know. Is he all, is he I all can. I, yes, I see on the baby monitor. There he is. Yeah. yeah. The first couple, I'm like, I'm just gonna talk until my baby wakes up. But um, you know, he's been pretty good. He's sort of tossing and turning right now, but uh, I think he'll probably sleep till seven. Wonderful. Uh, and for you, what's the time right now? Uh, so it's about 10 past 8 in the evening. So I'm going to have my late dinner uh, after we get off the call. <laughs> so still on the same day, still on uh, Sunday, the 12th of April. Uh, but I'm well, in the evening. So. Yeah, so but you won't you'd be able to hear this until uh, Monday. Uh, everyone else should be able to get this. I uh, usually try by noon noon today and you'll be uh, fast asleep at that point unless <laughs> you're a night, night owl. But isn't it amazing that we can do this and be connected even though far away. And that's a really one of the things that uh, it's good to do right now. If you, it doesn't matter where we are in the world, you can't go visit someone in person anyway. So like, you know, call up somebody from around the world, check in, see how, see how they're doing, right? Get some, get maybe some more perspective about, oh, my country's doing this, your country's doing that. And that's what we're going to keep doing for the next couple of weeks. Um, not 100% sure how the order, but I got at least a couple more uh, people lined up. Thanks so much, Michelle. So uh, frugality and freedom. Yeah? Yep, yep that's right. Dot, dot com. I got it. Perfect. And you also find me on Instagram posting plenty of uh, funny pictures of things uh, on my travels. And <laughs> now my travels that are just in my own home at uh, frugality and freedom and also on Twitter at frugality freedom without the O in freedom because it doesn't fit. <laughs> because Twitter limited our because, characters. Yeah. Thanks so much, Twitter. Okay. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see each other in person, but otherwise, uh, you know, uh, take care of yourself in Australia and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get through this, eh? We will. We will.
All right. Thanks All right. for having me, Luke.